Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We preview film productions and events in the region and speak with creative entrepreneurs as Erie carves out its part in the wider industry landscape. Hello, my name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Jesse Olszewski, filmmaker and project coordinator of the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. This week, we'll preview Oscar nominee Harriet at Film Grain Dinner and a Movie. Our guest is Mark Tannenbaum, executive director of PACA. And the Erie Reader's film critic, Forrest Taylor, will be joining us to talk about his film choice of the week. So Film Grain's our Dinner and a Movie. It's Wednesday nights at the Bourbon Barrel. It includes dinner, dessert, and a great film. Bourbon Barrel's at 1213 State Street, downtown Erie. We've got big screen, upgraded sound couch and table seating. Great company, of course. And we have vegetarian options every week, gluten-free on request, plus table service all night long. This Wednesday, we're showing Harriet, which is sponsored by Zeta Phi Beta Sorority, the Rho Sigma Zeta Chapter, and the Erie Chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Harriet's the extraordinary tale of Harriet Tubman's escape from slavery and transformation into one of America's greatest heroes, whose courage, ingenuity, and tenacity freed hundreds of slaves and changed the course of history. She made some 13 missions and rescued approximately 70 enslaved people, including family and friends, using a network of anti-slavery activists, safe houses, the Underground Railroad. During the American Civil War, she also served as an armed scout and spy for the Union Army in her later years, She was an activist in the struggle for women's suffrage, Uh, an amazing woman to say the least. A biopic about Harriet has been in the works for years with several different actresses in the title role. Um, In this version that we finally got, the film stars Cynthia Erivo, who was nominated for uh, Best Actress, Best Lead Actress at the Oscars this year. She's supported by Leslie Odom Jr. and Janelle Monet, who had a great performance opening the Oscars. It's directed by Cassie Lemons. Presales for Harriet are available through our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. Mark, hey. how are you doing, sir? Everything's good. Nice to see you. It's great to be here. Have you always been in Erie your entire life, or are you a transplant? No, I'm actually born here in Erie. Both of my parents were born in Erie. Fantastic. Went to Academy High School. Academy High School. So you are an Erieite. I am. You've got Erie in your blood. So when you say, when you ask somebody in Erie where they went to school, we mean high school. Because we're planning, we're figuring you out. We don't have, everywhere else in the country, it means college. <laughs> and it says a lot about you, where yes, you went to high school. Absolutely. That's why we ask. So how did you find Academy back in the day? I didn't go very often, but when I did find it, <laughs> no, I enjoyed high school. It was, you know, back in the 70s, I had a great time, great friends, you know. What did you time. want to do when you were in, in high school? I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I mean, I wasn't really a participant of a whole lot of stuff. That was school-related, although I did ABA stuff in junior high school, which is funny. Little, I went, so I went to Memorial. So, of course, when you were a bad kid, they made you like do ABA stuff. 
audiovisual aid stuff and like set up microphones and set up stuff for for different uh, events for punishment you know, for punishment <laughs> and now that's what I do full time <laughs> no shit AVA for the birds of feather flock together on that one <laughs> we're all guilty of that but no academy was a great place I still have friends that I uh, still hang out with I met my wife at academy so there oh you go. awesome well then you have fond memories for sure I do. take us through a little bit after grade school after academy um, take us to your journey and how you got to PACA. Well, my, my arts journey started in the seventh grade, uh, dancing in the uh, Erie Civic Ballet Company uh, for seven years for, with uh, Stacia Sublet. Spent my summers in Chautauqua, traveled uh-huh. to do different ballets in Michigan and places like that. Uh, had great fun with all different kinds of partners and dancers and did all kinds of different ballet. And of course, you know, did the Nutcracker on the Warner stage with Walter Hendel directing Ooh. the Philharmonic and learned about sound and music and sets and lights and costumes and all those kinds of things, uh, being in Chautauqua and hanging out with those people, those creatives. But uh, that was something I did outside of school. You know, wow. I never did anything inside of school. So performer first. Performer, yeah, early mm-hmm. on for that. And then that's what took me. So the dance and the music. And then ultimately my dad had a secondhand furniture store on 18th and Parade. And of course, if you have a secondhand furniture store, you are the go-to place for all the theaters to get props. And uh, I remember Charlie Coratori and, and uh, David Matthews were, would come through all the time looking for uh, props. And they knew I was a dancer because, of course, they kept they, they said, "Come on, why don't you do a why don't you do a play? Why don't you do a musical?" Because boy dancers were hard to find. And I'm like, "Listen." I'm a ballet dancer, okay? I don't beat the boards, okay? I'm not a hoofer. Like, so if you think I'm going out and do a <laughs> musical, you're, you're crazy. But I eventually did do it, and I had a blast. So I had a really good time, and I think I did Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and it was really difficult. Charlie uh, had a great cast of dancers, other ballet dancers, other dancers that were involved, John Stockhausen and a bunch of guys. Hmm. And uh, we just had the best time ever, and I did a bunch of theater there for a good long time. And then, How old I, are you around this time? Probably 20. Okay. Yeah. And then in those days, the college theaters were open to everybody. So you could, you could audition to perform at Gannon or at Mercyhurst, and we did. And so, you know, Paul Eddings, Paul Eddings was up at uh, Mercyhurst, and I can't remember who was down at Gannon, but, you know, they were open, and you could do shows, and we did great ones. That's awesome. And then eventually— <laughs> I didn't know that know. about you. I didn't <laughs> know then, you were a dancer. <laughs> and then eventually, I can still do a pirouette or two. Wow. But uh, the— uh, Eventually, I, I got involved in the Roadhouse Theater. Mm, oh, yeah. Uh, so they moved me from musicals to dramas and, you know, classic stuff and uh, hung out with Scott McClelland and Kim Mick yeah. and worked on their board and that kind of thing and helped them both. What time well. are we looking at there? Boy, like, it's so like hard for the me to 90s, maybe? Yeah, that's probably 90s. They, mm. they actually, the, the Roadhouse Theater originally started in the PACA building, and they were there for 10 years. And uh, backstage, they're on the same floor that we're on. Okay. And then we moved where the stage was. But it used to be back where our dance studio is now was where the stage used to be. And they did. Was it called the Roadhouse? Yeah, Roadhouse Theater. And then they moved over. And then uh, I can't remember the the group that took over. In your building? Yeah, in that building. So that that stage remained theater for a long time. Rick Lopez used to do theater there many, many years ago. Wow. He's a a big fan of, of this. Uh, Beckett, Thomas Beckett. So he did, okay. he did all of the Thomas Beckett shows, and we, we'd go down there, and even in high school, and see all these great, great theater pieces, and people were doing a lot of creative stuff back then. So what was the situation back then compared to now? Was there about the same amount of independent theaters operating, or 
you know, would you say it's it's grown over the years? Well, there's always been a bunch, you know. So, you know, Mark Moffat had a theater back in uh, back in the day on the, the third floor of uh, where Daft Mark is now. So they were there, uh-huh. and there was a theater uh, above the um, the electric store next to PACA. So there was a theater up there okay. for a long time. Uh, but there was theater all over the place, and Erie has always been a great theater town, and there's been a lot of talent. I mean, Erie, yeah. Erie puts on great shows, and the audience in Erie is very well trained. They expect to see great work. So now today, if you go even see a high school production of something, it's top flight. I mean, people are really doing great work. Back in our day, we'd be in a bathrobe, you know, out there on stage, <laughs> like just like trying to get your lines out. But today, the theater stuff that's being done on high school stages, you know, whether it's prep or, or uh, uh, Fairview High School does a, does a great job. Harbor Creek does a great job. Mercer's Prep does a great job. So there's a lot of talent. So they're being filtered back up into all the other stuff. But really, the Playhouse sets the standard. They're, to have the Playhouse in Erie is remarkable. They're one of the oldest community theaters in the nation, I think, like, top five oldest yeah. theaters in the nation of continuous theater. And, uh, you know, the work that they do is is incredible. Fantastic. So that sets the standard for everybody. Right. So then all these other actors that have had a chance to be on their stage can now go do other more avant-garde stuff. Um, that's not necessarily supported at that other mm-hmm. venue, but, you know, there's still a place to go. And now Drama Shop is doing great work, and really All in Act is doing great work. So Erie's lucky. Yeah, yeah. A lot of different flavors. Yes. A lot of different uh, personalities. And, you know, for BACA, we want everybody to be, you know, we wish we were the Shaw Festival of Northwest Pennsylvania, you know. We wish we had 10 more theaters. Everybody would flock to Erie, and they'd move here because of our theater. So take us. Yeah, take us on. Talk us us about PACA. (laughs) What does PACA stand for? The Performing Arts Collective Alliance is uh, is our acronym. Um, We have a complicated mission. Our number one thing is to produce work. So we produce our own theater. We do eight plays a year. It's pretty complicated. We have a very packed schedule. So we, uh, we produce original work. We also produce music events. We are a venue for other people to do music events. So that's our main stage. Um, on top of that, we are a place where other artists can have a studio for cheap money. So our goal is to find the cheapest number that we can rent our studio spaces out for and provide a location so that artists don't have to move out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, you know, people talk about a brain drain and when people get out of college and they leave with all their skills and it doesn't help Erie, well, there's a talent drain. Yeah. So if people are very skilled at the arts, they can't make a living and they can't find a venue to do the work even if it's not monetary, but they want to do good work. And if they can't do good work, they're going to go someplace where they can. Yeah. And so there's a talent drain and a lot of artists and, you know, and musicians and, and people have left because of that. What kind um, of spaces and like facilities do you have available for artists? So I have, I think I have thirty nine tenants right now. Awesome. Uh, so whether it's the t shirt shop, you know, First Amendment Tees and and uh, Attic Rehab on the first floor, which is our, we actually have that art gallery is available. So if people want to talk to me about opening another uh-huh. art gallery, I got one. Very cool. Um, so, but then there all through the, there's Packas on the second floor, but there's other studios on the second floor. We have our own dance studio. People are looking for a dance studio. We have space for that. In our dance studio, we rent that out on us on an hourly basis. Okay. So people don't even have to be there full time. And then we've just finished the fourth floor. So the the third phase of our mission. Oh, is the fourth to, floor's done now. Too? The fourth floor's all done. Yeah. So we just got our occupancy permit. So we. Congrats. I know it, it's, it was a big fight. four floors. Well, it's a five story. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been on the fifth floor. We have plans for the fifth floor. <laughs> okay. So Good, it yeah. just takes time yeah. and money. We have a, a bunch of tenants. They're all doing different work, and uh, you know we have different people that are now kind of bringing all those people together. So even on the 28th, we have an event that's happening that, you know, our play's on that night. 
But at the same time, there's a bunch of events going on because that's gallery night. Yeah. And some of the artists in the building are starting to pull their different skills together and put on events together, which is really more of our, our main thought. So yeah. again, our third phase is, you know, we're trying to save real estate. You know, our, our third phase is to save a building that's 120 years old. Right. Um, a lot of buildings are being torn down. I think everybody's aware of that. But saving old buildings and trying to bring them up to code and making them safe and, mm -hmm. and making them available is expensive. Yeah. Like we're working on our roof, you know, which I didn't anticipate. So, you know, those kinds of expenses and those kinds of upkeep for an older building are can be staggering. I mean, how many square feet? Or, this pack, and, uh, yeah. 70,000 square feet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, it's Five square floors. Feet. Yeah, it's I mean, it's okay, great. so it's got, it's got that old school elevators. elevator, well, too. We're going to try to get the back elevator working. Yeah. We, and a huge freight uh, yeah. entrance in the back. I yeah. mean, semis can pull up. Yeah. Lots of space. So we're, we're going to work on that. So I, I mean, because that's such a huge, ambitious idea to get that building. What led you to that? Because I know you've always been you know, intertwined with downtown development. Right. And as you said, it's a historic building. Can you just take us to taking that leap? The Roadhouse Theater had gone out of business right uh, very soon after 9-11. Mm -hmm. What happened really with 9-11, uh, a lot of arts organizations across the country uh, went bankrupt. Uh, wealthy people that uh, were concerned about the safety of their money, the safety of their businesses, the safety of America. Mm -hmm. and it was a big hit, uh, obviously, the, the World Trade Center. Um, so people... Wealthy people weren't donating that year or the year after to not-for-profits. Uh, they were holding on to their money because they were unsure. But the model of a lot of, of not-for-profits is that they require people to give them money on a regular basis just to hold, just to hold their, 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 their everyday expenses right. in check. Daily so operations. Their daily operation expenses. So what happens if somebody didn't donate $10,000 to your organization that year, you couldn't pay your gas bill. And if you couldn't pay your gas bill, the gas shut out, got shut off. And people, you know, a country, not-for-profits all over the country went, went bankrupt uh, in the two years after 9-11. Uh, Most people aren't aware of that. So when I started PACA, I was really aware of that. And I was aware that the Roadhouse Theater had gone bankrupt as a result of that. There was an insurance issue. They couldn't, afford, they couldn't pay their insurance. You can't have a bunch of people coming into your building if you can't pay in your insurance costs. Um, it's, it's just that simple. It's not safe. So this building was there. This building this was huge there, so building. Was and, and, right. Did you buy the building? Uh, about three years ago, we bought the building. Okay. Uh, but I originally rented. Okay. So Paco, you know, we have a board of directors. So I was looking for an alternative idea to create a different kind of five hundred one c three. We didn't. I didn't want to have a theater that was that was that was you know that with the necessity of having donated money was key factor in our budget. So Paco, that's why we have so many tenants. Because mm -hmm. the tenants pay the overall expenses of the building. Smart. So the gas, the electric, the insurance, uh, yeah. we pay, and we, we pay 100% of our real estate taxes. Where we are 501c3, we could pay zero. Mm. And we pay 100%. Uh, we're not on a pilot program. We're not on any kind of like forgiveness program. Wow. We pay, Thank you. We pay yeah. 100%. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, and bless you for that. Should. That's for the well, first I've ever heard anyone ever say that. Well, Even the big hospitals don't do that. No one does. <laughs> right. But there are some not-for-profits that are out there paying something. I mean, Packet pays 100%. 
because our goal behind everything is self-sustainability. And we felt it was unethical, our board supports this idea, that it was unethical for a theater to try to be self-sustaining in a community that was having a difficult time being self-sustaining. Uh, you know, we're $12 million in debt in a, in a budget. Uh, it's, if, you don't pay, if we don't pay our taxes, who pays for the schools? Who pays for professional firemen and policemen? Who plows the roads? When I drive home from the theater, the roads are plowed, the lights are on, and you know, I'm driving home. So I, I'm part of this community, and PACA wants to be a paying part of this community. We're grateful for that opportunity. But I want to get back to the building Go one ahead. second Go here. Ahead. Because, I mean, I've been in – well, 10 years ago, I was inside that building. And you got to be a little crazy to, like, say I can do something with this structure. Because, I mean, the fifth <laughs> floor was – had holes in the roof. There yeah. were birds living up there, festations, things like that. You guys have really turned that building around tremendously. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you've done a great job. It's completely safe. The fire suppression system works. The elevator is inspected every single year. You know, we're, we're, on, we're on target with everything we need. We have a great budget. We're very careful with our money, and we're spending it wisely. And when you have a don't whole, Paco, we, you know, we, we don't waste their money. And a whole other floor yet to be exploited, so to speak. The long-range plan of the fifth floor is to put living space Ooh, on okay. the fifth floor. Part of our goal with that, of course, is Like that artists and residency kind of thing? We or? definitely have an artist for residence mm -hmm. uh, space there, but we can put 11 different condominiums on the fifth floor. We wow. already have the blueprints drawn for it. Um, it's, it's definitely... You guys are killing it. Dude, yeah. If, if it wasn't for my Ten children, years. I know. I, I would, I'd live downtown for sure. Seriously. Well, and our goal is to then charge as little as we can rather than as much as we can. We're not we're, – we're kind of capitalistic light. You know, we're, we don't try to monetize every single thing we could monetize. I, go, I don't raise the rent for tenants. If we, I have a tenants in there that have been for 20 years, and I've never raised the rent. Yeah. You know, because well, I you're want an them artist. to stay. You, you have empathy. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, you're a caring person. That's what they say. If you, you know, if you, if you want to be human, study the humanities. <laughs> that's right. You know, if you want to be a mathematician, study math. <laughs> I'm a humanities guy. <laughs> so our long range, you know, 16501 is the poorest zip code in the entire country. Uh, we're well aware of that. It's one of the reasons why we don't have a food store downtown is no food store is going to come in. No chain is going to put millions of dollars in a food store in a, in a zip code that the average income is $8,000 a year, which is what it is. So we need to create space for people that have more money that are willing to do other things with their money. They're not looking to spend a ton of money. Mm. So between, you know, none of our units would be like about hundred dollars to $150,000, and that's doable. Other condominiums that have been built downtown uh, were more expensive, and that's why they didn't sell. Yeah, I was going to say, and they're still empty. They're still empty. I and think if, they're slowly filling up, I heard, but there's a few of them that they right. built them and they didn't sell. It's a complicated thing with that. I don't want to say anything. Right. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they made a mistake in how, they're, in how they are selling those. If it was you and if the four of us had gotten together and put that money into those condominiums and we were not selling them, we would sell them cheaper. We would have gone bankrupt. The bankruptcy judge would have distributed those assets, like an auctioneer, and they would have distributed those assets, and they would be full. But because of the way they're structured, then they don't, they're not selling them. We'll bring you back on the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything negative about anybody. We have a different plan. I think our plan is, is viable and will work. Well, the motto of PACA is live forward. Talk yes. to me a little bit about that. Well, you know, things go wrong. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, whether it's the arts or life or, or whatever. And we can always dwell on what happened to us. We can always dwell on the negative, the thing that didn't work, the fundraiser that failed, you know, the show that wasn't the, as good as we would like, would like to, to have done it. Um, but that's not helpful. You know, I think for everybody in their lives, but particularly PACA, when we have an entrepreneurial uh, quest, 
is to live forward, that you, you just have to go forward. You can learn from your mistakes. You can see why things went wrong. You certainly should analyze the reasons why things went, you know, went the, a different way than you had a hope they would have gone. But at the same time, go forward. You, you just have to go on. Uh, if you fail, you pick yourself up, you dust, your, dust yourself up, what's the old song, you know, and just, you know, move that rubber tree plant. Um, it's, it's what art teaches us is that you learn from mistakes, you try again, you do a better job the next time, you work harder the next time, and you do better the next time. So we're, we're successful. We fall forward. Like we, if we're going to make a mistake and we fall mm -hmm. down, we try to fall forward so that we at least move the ball forward. Yeah. It's a good model. And don't and don't get bummed <laughs> out, you know. It's easy to get depressed. Yeah. You know, when you're trying something, it's it's easy to get depressed and a lot of people are it's it hurts them. And uh bankruptcy's murderous. It feels terrible. So, you know, our goal is is to go forward and and to to not let that stuff bring us emotionally down. Yeah. Let alone economically down. But but PAC is a self-sustaining 501c3. We're one of the only ones in the whole country. I don't think there's five more that I know of. It's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about um, your programming. So when you were starting out, because you're more progressive theater. Correct. Um, a little edgier. Yeah. And, and this is uh, plays I, I, to I your like to tell, personal like passions. I, I, can't, I can't promise swearing and nudity in every play that I do, but I'll do my best. <laughs> I like <Okay>. that. <laughs> but you know, the next play that's coming up is The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Um, Jesse's in, involved with that. It's yeah, great to have everyone should come see it. Everybody should come see it. Tell but us it's, about it, it. It's a little edgier, and there is some swearing. So, you know, where a lot of people, it's a religious-based play. I mean, there's certainly, you know, the... The Christian canon is is part and parcel of the of the pro of the play of the plot, but uh, you know there's some swearing in it. It's actually very funny. This is not the kind of play that would be possible at a lot of other venues. Mm -hmm. And Paca is because we don't have to worry about paying the gas and the electric because that's already taken care of. We're able to take a chance on plays because yeah. we're completely artistically free. The only thing that we have to do with that square of of that that. 20 by 20 square that is our stage is we have to pay for the rights of the play. We have to bring pizza to our cast once in a while. We have to pay advertising for a thing. And then that, that play sustains itself. But I don't have to have other money that pays for the, the big fixed costs of, owner, of owning a building. That's already taken care of. It's a beautiful thing. It's a different model. So I don't know anything about Judas Iscariot. Why don't you guys uh, tell me, tell me a little about bit about it. I'm in a very small part of it towards the end. I actually play Jesus. But my very good friend, uh, Steve Dijon, is playing Judas, and I, I've gotten to see some of the scenes he's been in. And then uh, when, we, when we all read it together, it's taking uh, the life of Judas into question. So all the events that happened in the Bible, he's uh, living in purgatory, and then there's this trial where uh, an attorney is trying to get him moved out of purgatory and back into heaven, and then there's the other attorney who's saying, no, 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 he needs to stay where he is, and they end up picking apart all the events of his life. So it's a courtroom drama? It is. It is, and they inter bring to the stand a lot of the famous biblical characters like Pontius Pilate, but also people like Mother Teresa and Sigmund Freud. Oh. So there's a, a lot of monologue-driven character scenes um, as opposed to as opposed to one big cohesive plot, but it's so much fun because, like Mark said, uh, it's a little edgier, it gets a little racy, but in the end, um, it has a really strong message for, I think, people of faith and people without faith. Both. I agree. I think people of faith are going to really enjoy this. I truly do. And people you know, that are less towards that bent, 
I think will also enjoy it. It's a really great show. Lighten up a little bit. You're going to get some language. Yeah, right. Come, and I make Come out, way. check it out. And you, uh, yeah, definitely, whatever your thoughts are, wait till the very end before you make your final decisions because uh, you need to see it as a whole. Can you talk about production design at all? Like, what's it going to look like? Oh, it's amazing. I can talk about that. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, J.R. Uh, Fabin has been working night and day on this set uh, with Dave Schroeder, who is our light and tech guy, and also set design. Uh, it's incredible. It's, uh, the, lighting is in, the lighting is phenomenal. The set is designed with old wood and, you know, nailed, nailed all over the entire stage. They built sets. They have risers on them. The, the judge sits higher than everyone else, and there's a, a you know, the, the witness box is uh, all, all set out. So when you walk in, it feels different. It looks wow. different. It feels different. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole production is top flight. Yeah, I was really impressed uh, for such a small space what they did with it aesthetically. Um, did a lot of things with lights to be able to change the mood. And, you know, obviously there aren't wings where you can bring out big stage pieces to um, change the set. So there's a lot of, like, lighting tricks and things like that, and uh, it looks really cool. Nice. So when's the show open? How long does it run for, and where can people get tickets? It opens Friday, February 21st, and it goes all the way through March 7th, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Um, tickets are available online and at the door. If people buy tickets online, we reserve seats for them. And we, you know, if you buy online, you generally get front row seats, second row seats, you know, as yeah. they go forward. We only seat about 100 seats uh, on this particular one because it's three-quarter stage. Nice, so we're intimate. Actually, it's small, yeah. You're, yeah. you're literally, if you're in the front row, you're literally eight feet away from the actor. Wow, you're right in it. Right. What time are doors and what time does the show start? Show starts at 8 o'clock every night and doors open at 7.30. Cool. Awesome. Uh, what's the future yeah, look like? Okay, oh, yeah. So, well, in the pipeline for PACA, well, we have a big fundraiser now about putting a new roof on, which was a surprise to us, and we're going to raise funds to do that. It's going to cost 100 grand, and we're going to raise 100 grand. Where can we find information out about helping with that? On our website, yep, PACA1505.org is our website, and there's all different kinds of sponsorships so that you can buy T-shirts and you can, you know, you can, you know, you can buy season tickets for a hundred dollars. It saves twenty bucks uh, on Great. season passes. You can buy a pew. We'll put your name on a pew forever. Wow. You can buy stairs. We have a program called Stairway to the Stars. So, like, we have 100 yeah. stairs in yes, our building. It's a big, tall staircase. <laughs> so we can buy each stair for $100, and we've sold three of them so far. Pretty so awesome. we can put your name on a stair forever as you climb up the stairs. And so if we sold 100 of them at $100, that's $10,000. That's 10% of where we need to be. We have 10 extra uh, pews at $1,000 a piece. That's $10,000, and that's another 10%. So we're going to take eat it like an elephant you know we're just yeah. gonna take bites out of this and we're gonna raise that fund and we're gonna put a new roof on uh by october so you said you've got three stairs taken right now yes yeah okay very excited and we sold a bench i'm thinking maybe once you get to like the seventh or eighth stair let me know because yeah, then that's, that's the name the, everybody's yeah, gonna right. see oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Gold society right there that's John it. Lyons. <laughs> if, you, if, if you donate money we'll let you pick your stair okay it's not, not sequential stair. no we'll do anything you want so you no, get the roof fixed what's right? what's next what do you oh, i mean you said you're you're talking about residencies and um so even like the short term we're putting in wheelchair accessible bathrooms on our first floor Awesome. So that is something that I think all downtown, we're going to try to leave them open all the time. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're there, we're going to open the doors. There, there are no real public bathrooms 
wow. in the downtown area. Yeah. So part of PACA's mission is to serve the downtown and to, to make it a more livable space. Okay. So we're going to have bathrooms that are available for everyone, and we'll see how that works out. Yeah, that's that's but, ballsy right uh, there. Well, it's, we'll see how it works out. <laughs> but that's our goal. And, you know, they have to be wheelchairs. So, you know, Rothmars did the uh, blueprints for us, and we've got them approved by the city. Uh, they've been everybody's been very helpful it's just you know this is all very expensive stuff Re retrofitting an old building to modern code is complex and expensive and it's you know, more just, expensive than building new it's i much mean more it's expensive. big time right exactly correct and you know if you want wheelchair accessible bathrooms there's code about that you know there's certain things that make them wheelchair accessible and you have to have them in there and ramps and you know access in a lot of different ways we have to cut through walls and put in new floors and so that's phase that's one thing that yeah. we're doing What's the biggest hurdle been so far, overall, say, in the 10 years? I mean, honestly, we've done... Minus money. Well, yeah, money's the number one thing. But uh, honestly, it's just money. We, we, we've hit every single goal. We had a five-year plan. We're actually a year ahead on our five-year plan. So we've done everything that we said we were going to do within that five-year period of time. Um, you know, PACA doesn't generate money. I mean, it, we use the money for what we do, but it's not like there's a bunch of money left over that we can invest back into the building, although we do. We, we, put, we put brand new windows on mm -hmm. the front of the building, so we, we got about $100,000 in donations for all of that, but we put the other $35,000 ourselves into it. And those are great, by the way. And yeah. we wanted downtown to look nice. It looked awful. And, you know, you wove, drove by that building and people kept saying, your theater's in that abandoned building on State mm. Street. I'm like, it's not abandoned. <laughs> mm. And uh, it looked abandoned. And so by changing the windows, people have stopped saying that. And, you know, with the bathrooms and available, we put new lights outside. We put cameras outside. So our goal is to make it safer, cleaner, better, brighter for, for all of downtown. We're, we're at the gateway of the downtown. We're not technically in the downtown. You know, they changed what downtown is. So yeah. we're not technically in the downtown because we're just south of the <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, the right. bridge, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. midtown, whatever we are. But uh, we say we are the gateway to the downtown. <laughs> and Good. our goal is to be a beautiful gateway. And You're um, downtown in my book. I, if, <laughs> I said, if, we have, if you have parking meters in front of your building, you're <laughs> right, downtown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you said, go. When they said that, I said, are you going to take the parking meters out then? Right. Yeah, like, oh, no. Silence in the room. <laughs> 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 I said, you know, I don't have parking meters in front of my house. You know why? I don't live downtown. <laughs> but no, the parking meters go to 18th Street. That's always been downtown. The downtown Holiday Inn. It was called the downtown Holiday Inn. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, that's fine. And I understand why they're doing that. You know, they needed to concentrate their efforts in a, in a geographic area, and they're being successful. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for all that other stuff that's going on in a positive way. I'm not arguing against any of it. I think there's room for a lot of people to do a lot of successful things. I think Erie's fantastic in the sense that I could never have opened a theater in New York City. I could never have done it in Cleveland, Buffalo, or Pittsburgh. I could never do this in another city. But in Erie, Pennsylvania, I could afford a 70,000-square-foot building through a not-for-profit. I mean, I don't own it personally. I keep saying I. Pa I don't own this personally. PACA owns the building. Mm -hmm. And there's no way I could have started a theater from scratch in another town yeah. than Erie. So we were, you know, people were very generous with us. They, they did help us out financially, and they continue to. Um, and the building was available, and we were able to make a deal. So he and the, the seller was willing to, to work with us. So in, I can't think of being able to do this in another another city. And you're clearly serving a need with how many tenants you have. Right. We, I could have I could if I have people calling me all the time. Jesse, if I if I had more space, I could have more tenants um, building more space costs more money. Sure. And um, so far, we're, we're going to park there for a second. We're going to put a new marquee in the front of the building. Oh, um, cool. 
the so, comes out maybe? Yeah, cool. actually it's going to have a yeah, bow to the front of it. It's going nice. to be, you know, kind of, and it's going to have multiple colored lights. So, you know, be able to change the lights and say, paka, paka, paka. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> you know, work, work on that. And we're, there's, a, there's actually a wall that's kind of crumbling in the back, and we were able to get some help for, for that, for an emergency fund from the Erie Community Foundation. Um, but ACRA has been very helpful to us. Erie Community Foundation has been very helpful to us. Private donors have been very helpful. Erie Insurance has been very helpful to us. So the truth is people have been extremely generous mm. uh, with our mission, and I think we're very careful with how we spend their money. Yeah. You know, we don't waste it. And we have a, a goal, we have projects, and we see the projects to fruition. Yeah. Well, good vision, good leadership. Man, in 10 years, it's very impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's better. You know, like we only owned the building for, for three years. So we really couldn't put the money into it. We had like $90,000 into just our theater, you know, before we, you know, bought the building. Mm. You know, just the light grid, the sound grid, the new walls, the new doors. You know, we fixed those bathrooms. We did a lot of work just in our theater proper. So I think we have a nice night. We have nice lights and sound. You know, our art gallery is beautiful. The dance studio is beautiful. It's nice. <laughs> awesome. Great it's space. a great location. Yeah. You know, the film society came and and, and did a did a, an event at our place. You know, we rent our space out. Right. We're we're looking for people that want to rent our space and and have fun in our building. And you can do film premieres too there. We can. Yeah, we've we got a few there already. I have an idea for a film uh, a film project. You want to talk so, about that? That's a different. Well, that's a different idea. That I is a, a different. Okay, idea. I have an idea for a film project <laughs> where we would take. Ten people that are, are muckety mucks in the in the city, like 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 community leaders in one way or another. So whether it would be the bishop or the mayor or or you know city council or or, or business people or whatever, and and try to find from them what is their favorite movie. And just I think you've this, told me this yeah, idea I know. before. Yeah, and just what's their favorite movie? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like. I think the, I think build I talked a program, to the mayor, right. and I think he said it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think is his favorite movie. So it's like what we would do then would be have these people. So let's say you're the president of Mercyhurst College, and yeah. like, what's your favorite movie? Let's say the bishop. Is it yeah. the robe? You know, or or <laughs> or is it something? Or something else? surprising. Well, something very surprising, right. and then like that individual blue would velvet. Come, well, maybe <laughs> a little moral story. Yeah, that's right. You know, but it's it's. So those people would come and talk about their favorite movie and like, you know, I know I, you know, I really like The Last Picture Show. Oh, you know, yeah, to me, yeah. that's one of my yeah, favorite yeah, movies yeah. and I'd love it's to st talk about that. So if somebody could talk about their favorite movie and, and why and maybe, I, you know, I remember seeing movies with my dad and like sitting in the theater and like yeah. that kind of memory. So what sparks that? And then I think people would be interested in that and we would just see what people's favorite movies is, you know, rather than having me select yeah. what I like to why see. Why don't you make, we should make this list of people we yeah. want to approach and yeah, uh, I'll, I'll work with you. That'd be great. Let's make it happen. Yeah. If we had 20 <laughs> people on a list, we'd get 10 that would say yes. Yeah. Well, there was a segment on the Oscars last night and it was what was the first movie, most influential first movie you ever saw that made you love theater? Made well, love theater, theater, theater and film. Movies. You know, I love TCM. So, I mean, I watch a lot of black and white movies, you know. But like, what was the first stuff. memory of you walking into a theater as a child and sitting down and being like, oh, this is awesome? You know, I saw I, the Regent Theater back on was the was mm. the movie theater on Parade Street. They tore that building down, which was a mistake. That was in a beautiful, beautiful building, and I can only we'd have our very own Apollo if we had that that building still in existence between Tenth and Eleventh on Parade Street. And when I was a when I was a kid, my dad would drop me off on Saturday, and for like a quarter, literally a quarter, you could watch movies all day. <laughs> and uh, they were mostly odors. You'd, you'd watch like you know cowboy movies and stuff like that. You yeah. know, so. It was, but they were great cowboy movies. So we, I, I liked, I liked a lot of westerns, and when I was a kid, and watched a lot of those black and white 
But Cowboy no one movies. movie stuck out when you walked in? Because I remember, and this is kind of a sad, but Go I ahead. saw Peach Dragon. Okay. And it was sure. the very first uh, movie I ever saw. I was completely hmm. hypnotized. Wow. I remember I was chewing on my jacket, and it was just soaked with saliva because <laughs> sure. I'm this little kid sitting in a theater. And uh, so that was my big impact. I think huh. That Darn Cat was the first okay. movie that there I saw go. that was big. <laughs> and it was at the Warner, and it was Disney. And it was scary. I mean, there was actually a witch involved. <laughs> it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. talk about Whoa. the witch in the last movie. So there was a witch involved. I think That Darn Cat is the movie that I remember most. The first R-rated movie I ever saw with my dad was um, MASH. I saw the original oh, wow. movie when it came out. Cool. And uh, we were sitting around on a Sunday. My mom was nowhere to be known. Who knows? And uh, uh, dad said, yeah, you want to go see a movie? And I said, sure. And he says, my dad liked war movies, you know. And because uh, he was a WW2 vet. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. so he's like, this movie MASH is pretty good. There seems to be good. And I'm like, okay. Sure, <laughs> dad. My dad had no idea what R-rated, GP, uh-huh. nothing, you know. So, of course, I went to my very first R-rated movie with my father. I was wow. probably 12. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Great. So I do remember that very much. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. But, you know, I'm, I think all of the arts, whether it's dance or music or theater or film, they connect, and there are different art forms. You know, opera is a different art form. The Philharmonic's a different art form. These are unique art forms. It's very hard to film a play. I've almost never seen a play filmed well. Hmm. That it really like it reads like a like a play. It's just a different art form. Yeah. And and you know it's it's diff- there's very few plays that you know like movies that became plays like One for the Cuckoo's Nest. You know, would be unusual. That would be both a book, a play, and a movie right. that were all successful. But generally speaking, it, it, they they don't read cross-culturally, if that's what you want to say. But I think there's room for all the arts. That's actually what the logo of PACA means. It's all those little squares represent a different kind of art. Uh And it's all the arts working together in the same place. Collectively. That's what that logo means. (laughs) Nice. Well, Mark, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for I'm thrilled for to be here. Us. Yeah, I'll come back anytime you want. So I do recommend that people come see the play. All the shows we do are good. And, you know, give us a chance. Absolutely. Come cool. see it. Come, come see, see it for sure. <laughs> come see me be Jesus. That's right. You know, but the play is like, it's, it's complicated in the sense that it's really about betrayal and forgiveness. And we have all been betrayed at some point in time in our lives. And oftentimes, it's by, the, by our best friends. I mean, that, the story with Jesus and, and right. Judas is that Judas is Jesus' best friend. He's his most beloved. And he then is the one that betrays him. We've often, in our lives, been betrayed by the people closest to us in one way or another. Yeah. So this is a universal story. And then how hard is it to forgive? But what's, what's the, the benefit of forgiveness is, is so universal, and it benefits the, the person who was harmed as much as it benefits the person who did the harming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the, the book of Judas, there's like a, you know, there's a, an apocryphal, apocryphal book right. that doesn't make its way into the, the Christian canon, mm. but it talks about uh, the book of Judas. And in that particular book, Jesus asks Judas to betray him. Wow. And Judas doesn't want to be the one who <laughs> rats out his best friend. But for there to be universal forgiveness, there has to be a death. Hmm. So it's a much more complicated story than, than people think. Right. And The boiled you, down version that we all course. remember from. Well, of course. And that yeah, Judas is the bad guy. Right. And, you know, and that's it. The, yeah, but we're all the bad guy. We're all the good guy. That's the truth of theater. And yeah. when you see enough theater in, in your lifetime or enough movies in your lifetime, you come away with a more of a gray hat approach to the right. world. 
The gray area. And we live in a gray area. So I I think these things are worth talking to. People talk to me all the time. They say, can I bring kids to your theater? And I always say, sure. (laughs) It's like, like, I don't think art can't hurt you. There's no way art can hurt you. Right. And whatever you take a child to the theater, no matter you don't have to dumb theater down for them. They'll they'll get the grown up yeah. picture. You made it through Mash. I made it through Mash, <laughs> and and I'm you know I saw all kinds of theater when I was a kid, and you know I remember seeing Carousel as a kid, and it's a very dark uh, m- musical, and you know you know Billy like beat, beats his girlfriend, you know, and she says to her mother, "Can a hit feel like a kiss?" Like hmm. that's a like that's old school negative if you're going to take your kid to that you want to talk about but it opened the door my mother would talk to me about that she took me to the theater and my mother would talk to me about you know what do you think that means like 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 this is what domestic violence is about and we were able to talk about big issues because the theater i remember seeing finian's rainbow which was all about racism. Hmm. and you know this was a long time ago this was this was 50 years ago when i saw that that play and my mother would take me and, and she would say, what do you think it means to be outcast like that? Yeah. And if you see a play with a child, it opens up an opportunity for a conversation that in other ways I would never have with my mother. Right. And theater was the art form. And of course, and everybody, knows, everybody knows it's fake because we all bow at the end. So at the very end, we all bow. And the little kid can see, oh my gosh, that's like playing Barbies, you know? Like yeah. that's just all make-believe. We're all dressed up, we put on makeup and we pretend we're something else. Kids do that all the time. Yeah. And they get it. They get the fact that we're pretending, that we're making this up. Yeah. But at the same time, they get the fact that it's, it, there's a truth behind the story. And they can, and if you're an adult and you want to have that conversation on the ride home, it opens it up to have a great conversation, an adult conversation with a, with a 10, 12, 11-year-old child, 15-year-old child that you otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. So, and open up us adults as well absolutely. with one another. Sure. For sure. It, yeah, it affects all of us. Well, next up, we've got Forrest and his review of the week. Hello, everyone. I'm Forrest Taylor, film critic for The Erie Reader. Uh, and once again, I am here for one of my weekly film reviews. Today, I'm talking about the film Gretel and Hansel, which is currently playing in Tinseltown. Uh, interesting new modern take on the classic fairy tale. Like the grim fairy tale, uh, it is very, very creepy and weird. Very, like, horror film atmosphere. Unfortunately, the storyline does not match up with the... Um, incredible, incredible imagery of the film. Much like the fairy tale, the story follows a brother and sister who wander into the woods after their mother kicks them out of the house, essentially. Uh, trying to survive, they come upon a house run by a seemingly innocent old woman, but uh, as they are lured more and more into her domain, so to speak, uh, things become much more sinister. Uh, the film has an incredible atmosphere, uh, very similar to the A24 horror films. I'm thinking mainly The Witch and uh, the films of Ari Aster. It creates almost an ethereal, dreamlike atmosphere throughout the whole thing. Uh, unfortunately, when the story starts to get involved, um, it sort of takes a back back check to the uh, incredible visuals, uh, tries to make some sort of connection between the witch's story and Gretel's sort of coming of age, which doesn't really work out all that well. Um, The dialogue is a little clunky, and the storyline doesn't really have enough to carry its very short 87 minutes, but unfortunately the storyline isn't enough to just carry that. Uh, The visuals, once again, um, elevate the film to an almost um, high high art status, but... uh, Unfortunately, that story just uh, isn't enough. I gave it three stars out of five. Uh, If you're interested in um, a a story that's more about atmosphere and mood than it is about a conventional narrative, 
You might enjoy it. Uh, it's currently playing in the Tinseltown Theater. So check it out. And I'm Forrest Taylor, film critic for The Eerie Reader. You can read this review and other reviews at The Eerie Reader. Well, that's been our episode. You can buy tickets for Harriet and our 2020 programming at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.